some party people. This is Me, Myself, and Millie, a podcast about pop culture and hot goss through the lens of your nosy neighbor. I'm your host, Millie Brooks, and we've got a hot topic (laughs) for you today. So ever since doing the two episodes on Pregnancy PC in season one, it has occurred to me that we need to have more voices contributing to that conversation. And it just so happens that one of my neighbors is a labor and delivery nurse at a very busy hospital in the Bay Area. So please put your hands together for Nurse Katie. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the pod, KT. Now, you. before we dive into the joys of delivering other people's children, yes. let's talk a little bit of neighborhood goss. Let's do it. Let's okay? Do it. That's one thing that listeners love hearing about. Yeah. What's going on <laughs> on the island? What's up in the hood? What's up in the hood? So, I have something for you. Tell me. I'm going to start with, remember the playground that burnt down? Yes. Yes. Right across the street, they found a suspect. They did? Mm Mm-hmm. Through security cams Uh and eyewitness accounts, they have found a juvenile male, and they have a juvenile male in custody. Oh, my God. Yep. What a troubled little soul. I know. Wouldn't it really suck to be that person's parents? Yes. It sucks so bad. I don't know if they're on the hook for, like, the reparations or whatever. Right, because it's a juvenile. Um, over $200,000 worth of damage. That's a mess. That's Uh, a mess. I mean, just to have a little psycho, like, that's burning, uh, burning down playgrounds, I feel like, isn't that, maybe I've watched too many serial killer shows, but, like, is that a red flag? (laughs) (laughs) I know. Like, uh, maybe he's got to see someone. Like, yes, I think therapy's in order for this child. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You can't just be doing that. Yeah, because that is a one-track man. Like, I I can't imagine what the next five years are going to be like for him if there's not an intervention. He needs an intervention. I was hoping it was just like fireworks gone wrong. I know, me too. But, well, we all know how much I love fireworks on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> you love fireworks. <laughs> I love. You know what? I actually just drove by that on the way home, and that playground. Yeah. And um, it's already been rebuilt. It looks super styly, And it looks like there's some little, like, almost like a little house on it or something. I don't know. Maybe it's just the toilets. But it looks like it's gotten a full makeover. No way. Because yeah, I knew really there nice. was going to be a GoFundMe for it. Oh, was there? Yeah. I, I contributed nothing. I didn't either. <laughs> I, I thought about it, though. That's That matters. That counts for something. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? I'm spreading awareness through my podcast. That's right. right? You are the best neighbor. I am doing my darndest. <laughs> <laughs> Your absolute darndest. <laughs> you are doing it. So, um, okay, do you have any good hot goss? Let's see. Well, we did just have a weird incident where oh <laughs> the police were, had their lights on and some guy, that was just me walking over, some guy is getting his car tossed. Although nobody was like cuffed on the corner. There was two cops with like, looked like undercover cops with like gloves on and then another cop and with And they the were just on. unloading a, a ton of stuff from yeah. a car. Yeah. I but no was idea. it a car that like, so one, we didn't recognize anybody. It didn't look like there was, like, a AKA suspect because there was nobody, like, handcuffed or, like, just standing there that didn't look like they were doing a job. I mean, there might have been. 
I, I saw one guy, he was just standing there, and he kind of, like, half smiled at me, but I, that doesn't, I don't know what his role was. Hmm. You know how, like, usually if the police have someone over and they're, like, going to do stuff, they, like, handcuff him and sit him on the curb yeah, or something? Yeah, yeah, they're, like, just sitting there, cro- you know, cross-legged or their knees up. Yeah. Waiting for them to kind of just shuffle through all their belongings. Yes. But, yeah, I saw them throw out a few things. Oh, you did? Yeah, it was oh, like they were that. throwing some stuff in the recycling. <laughs> They're like, we're going to toss your car, but it looks like there's some trash in here. Let's recycle it. We're going to write you up for not recycling all these cans. <laughs> oh, my God, that's hilarious. That's pretty funny. Um, okay, that's, that's helpful. Helpful. <laughs> really helpful police really helpful here on here. the island. Yeah. Okay, uh, so as, I don't know, not some of my listeners know this, but... I want to just like kind of start off at this place where I have such a soft spot in my heart for nurses um, because my mom was a nurse who worked in the ER in Pontiac, Michigan, near Detroit for 25 years, triage, like hardcore, high stakes, high intensity. Oh, yeah. Um, Why don't you tell everybody what led you to decide to go into this field? Um, it was a little bit of a circuitous path. I initially was really, <laughs> I have a thing for like 70s manuals. <laughs> and there's like a lot of like 70s herbals books and home birth and natural fertility and all these books. And I was fascinated with them and read them all the time and was really interested in like herbal medicine. So I um, took some like women's health classes um, Um, holistic healing classes just was like diving deeper and deeper and then at one point I felt like I needed to understand more like say milk thistle is good for your liver but like what exactly does the liver do and so I was like well I need to find out more about that so I started taking at City College in San Francisco Um, I took an anatomy class I took a physiology class and like all those classes um I was like, hey, you know, with my little other colleagues, I mean, students, like, hey, what are you doing in this class for? Because I was literally taking, like, recreational academics, and they were all like, we're nurses. We're trying to get into nursing school. We're trying to do this and that. And I was like, huh, nursing school. I didn't know anything about nursing at all, zero. But I was like, huh, maybe I should consider that. And I had been weary, or is it weary or leery of it? Leery of it because Mm -hmm. I didn't think I could do the like chemistry and some of the heavier sciences because I was the first in art major Mm -hmm. so I was like a little reluctant but then I was like maybe I should just go down this path because it's all the things that I'm interested in anyways and um I'd always been interested in birth and you know I found out like oh you could be a labor and delivery nurse and I was like, oh, that sounds amazing. That's sweet. It just, like, clicked. You're like, okay, yeah. that, that's me. Yeah, here's a path. Here's a way I can go down it. And so I did. And I, you know, my eyes were totally open wide about all of nursing. And um, when it was time to apply to nursing schools, I, I mean, nursing jobs, I couldn't find a job in labor and delivery. So I did um, six years of med surge before becoming a labor and delivery What nurse. is med surge? Um, it's surgical patients that are like post-op surgical patients or it's medical patients. And we had a lot of, um, mostly I dealt with medical patients 
and those are people that have chronic conditions with different exacerbations, or maybe they just have like a passing something like a gallstone, or maybe they have um, sickle cell anemia and a flare-up, or you know kidney failure, and they have to have dialysis or COPD, and they need help breathing. Just kind of medical like sicknesses rather than surgeries. Got it. Got it. Well, um, so when I approached you about mm-hmm. talking about labor and de- delivery on uh-huh. the show, you were a little hesitant. Uh-huh. And so let's unpack that a little bit. Okay. Tell me, let tell me what your fears were, and why does it? Why does this topic have to be so controversial? Well, it's really charged. Yeah, it's really political, and it's really personal. Yeah. So. It's hard to kind of make everyone happy with it, mm. you know. So birth, I mean, obviously starts with fertility, and some people don't want to have a baby. Mm-hmm. And so they have choices to make around that. And then, you know, babies, you know, fetuses develop, and sometimes they have anomalies, and they're not going to survive. Mm-hmm. And decisions are made there, too. Mm-hmm. And then around birth itself... There's misinformation, there's fear, there's pressures, there's all these things, you know, um, about where to deliver and who's going to deliver you and how you're going to do it. And honestly, in a lot of ways, I think there's a lot of, like, woman-to-woman kind of meanness about, like, or birth is somehow a contest and somebody did it better than another woman, Mm -hmm. depending on, like, the method of delivery or how you coped with it. And that bothers me, and that troubles me. And so I'm just like, hey, let's have a little more sisterhood around this. But I think that's a little bit why I was uh, a little anxious, because I guess there's a fear of saying the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. But anything I'm going to say here is just based on my opinions and experience. Right. And um, so I think that's a little bit why I was reluctant. Right. Just because it's so charged. I love the way that you so eloquently explained it, though. Like, it does feel like a contest. It's yeah. a competition, and whoever does it better is going to somehow... Win, and I, what is winning, you know? Yeah. And then you're just, like, what, lording over your experience? But why is your experience better or more valuable than another woman's experience? Like, that's the whole thing. It isn't. Mm-hmm. Birth is birth, you know? Maybe the baby's not coming out the door, so it needs to come out a window. Either way, it's getting out. Oh, I love that. you're leaving with your child, you Mm -hmm. know? And so it's not a contest. There's no right way. Um, Whatever works for you is the right way. Whatever feels best is the right way. That's it. Mm Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. I love it. So people come at birth with a lot of their opinions, and they put that on other women or make them question their you know their own decisions yeah and I think if you're healthy you know you don't have any other risk factors like what's the problem with just doing it how you do right and I think that women cope with birth the same way they cope with the rest of their life you know it's a very heightened experience and frankly people have different levels and methods and ability when it comes to coping yep yep I, I love that's it. That's my opinion. <laughs> yeah, but that's really, that's like one of the the best explanations I've ever heard. Thanks. Yeah, very well-rounded and well, supportive. 
Well, I think that we need to be more supportive of each other in general. Mm -hmm. And I think women can be more supportive of other women and respect women's decisions that the woman knows what's best for her. Mm -hmm. And and then just go from there and support someone. Because I think if you're going to start judging someone, you really need to take a look at yourself and say, to what end? Why? Why? Why are you doing this? What's the end game there? Mm-hmm. Is it to just make someone else feel like shit? Mm-mm. Is it to push your own agenda? Right. Or is it to support the person who's having the experience that you're not having? Or is it because of some deep-rooted fear that you're not doing it right? Well, yeah. I mean, and that whole attitude of like this, it like it's a contest, plays exactly on that. Like, life isn't a contest. It's not, you know? I mean, I think that goes counter to a lot of the ways that we were raised, but it's not. Like, your contest is against yourself, if, if we even want to say it like that. You're just doing your best to be the best you. That's it. I mean... I like that. I, don't know. I like that. Okay, so let's... What's an average day look like for you? Um, well, it's <laughs> so funny. Um, there is no average. <laughs> I love it. But the thing is, is, you know, just come to work, you get your patient, your patient could be anywhere in the, um, spectrum of labor and delivery. You know, I could have a ba- patient that just delivered and I'll do the recovery, you know, and they'll have the newborn. I could, um, come in with a woman that's in early labor, that's in, latent labor that is going to have be induced to have their pre- their labor jump started um, and that happens for many different reasons or I can just be with a woman I love going with a woman like from I mean it rarely happens that someone goes from zero to delivery in one shift but um, sometimes they do and um, that would usually be a woman that has had a few babies and I just love supporting uh women in that process and trying to do what I can do to empower them with their birth. Because I do think that giving a woman the birth that she wants, that she wants, can really be a huge esteem booster and a push. Because I'm not a parent, but I don't think parenting's easy by any stretch. And if you can have a boost in your um, esteem, your confidence, your ability, Mm -hmm. you know, out of the gates, I, I think that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I started if labor... you can start things off feeling like... Empowered. Empowered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's great, you know. And the truth is, is that, like, you're going to have your baby. Yeah. It's going to come out. I mean, well, paraplegic I way- people, women have babies. Mm-hmm. Like, your body will push it out. Yeah, maybe at the moment of delivery, once the baby is, like really close crowning there might need to be some like physical assistance from the uh, provider mm-hmm. but like the uterus is going to work whether you want it to or not i love it that uterus it is a powerful <laughs> it, is it is a, a power out it is a tough sack <laughs> it's a tough sack of muscles i love it yeah um well tell us about a day that you never want to relive again oh my god I mean, the other, uh, let me, let me help you out. 
Um, on Saturday, mm -hmm. when the Wild Women of Woodstock. <laughs> That's so fun. <laughs> A.K.A. Um, listeners, a bunch of our <laughs> us neighbors went out um, mm -hmm. to a taqueria and had a wonderful Saturday night. Yes, we did. And you told the gals about a story that... Uh, a patient called you a fucking bitch. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. How do you handle that? <laughs> well, you can grit your teeth about it. You can cry about it, but you can't respond. That's the hardest thing is that like, you can't respond to like, you're not going to be like, no, you're a fucking bitch. <laughs> you know, like you're not going to start like engaging and fighting with the patient because then you're out of your therapeutic role, right? Which is ultimately what you are supposed to have, a therapeutic relationship with all your patients. It doesn't matter what floor or type of patient you're having. Um, so I was pissed. I was hurt because I'd been carrying her for, for her for a few days. She had a really sad case that I can't share. Mm -hmm. But... Um, so a couple of her family members were sitting on the couch while this patient's going off on me and they had nothing to say, you know, and I was just like coiling up some cables and stuff and I just walked out of the room and I, well, I, I did say, don't talk to me like that. Good for you. you. Know, I was like, Good don't for talk you. to me that way. I mean, you have to, you have to have some sort of like self-respect yeah. to be able to say like, that's, that's inappropriate. Well, it's not okay. Right. Yeah, it's inappropriate. And, um, so then I left and I talked to my chargers and I was like. I'm not going back in there. Then her um, family member came out, and I was talking to one of them, and we were both crying because it was a really sad case. I mean, I know it was... She wasn't... It was less me than the situation, you know? She wasn't... She was just projecting yeah. on me, you know? I didn't, like, quote, do anything. Um, so... And then I we were hugging in the hallway, me and her family member, then her mother came up and we all had like this group hug and we were crying and then I was just like you're gonna have another nurse now just so you know and they kind of looked at me with like oh, mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. and I just was like all the best I think that's the best that that yeah. that really you handled that well well that, I was crying was... in the med room to my charge nurse before I saw the other yeah, family but members. like it's really hard to have such grace in those types of moments well, that's very generous of you to <laughs> say I had grace, but I mean, I, I think the thing, the number one thing about being a nurse is that it's not about you. Mm -hmm. It's not about you. It's about the patients. And so whatever you can do to facilitate them being able to tolerate, cope with, accept the situation that they're in is the right thing to do. Right. And I mean, let's just be clear that any... <laughs> Any woman can be pregnant, mm -hmm. you know, anyone. So there is no test or qualification that you need to be pregnant. Right. So as broad as a spectrum as you can imagine of just like humanity, well, that's all represented as well in labor and delivery. Right. Um, I mean, you kind of tapped into this a little bit, mm -hmm. but like the situations that you're entering are very high stakes. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice for people that, um, that are entering those types of situations? Like some listeners might be 
pregnant right now. I have a mm-hmm. bunch of friends right now that You're are, are yeah, I'm in that age, right yeah. in that age zone where people are popping them out left <laughs> and right. Yeah. Um, do you have any advice for people? Um, can I ask for a clarification of what you mean when you say high stakes? Yeah. Do you mean just like a charged atmosphere or do you mean, what do you mean? I think like first time mothers who can't, it's hard to anticipate, uh-huh. you know, okay. you make a plan, plan doesn't go your way. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, okay. there's a lot of family, uh-huh. family dynamics. There's, yes. it's a lot. Yes. It's a lot. Okay. I, I think I understand what you're saying. Um, I think that um, family dynamics are really powerful. (laughs) And whatever the family dynamics are that you're already in, they're only going to become intensified. So I think it's okay to have clear boundaries about who who you want and what you want them to do at your delivery and to tell everyone that you think might attend that... um, you might be asked to leave and never come back. <laughs> Not like maybe don't say it like that, but like that we might ask you to leave and please don't take it personally. Right. You know, and kind of say that in advance because and I'm gonna say this, so many family members really irritate me because and this is so lame. While the woman's laboring, they're, like, asking her a million questions. Do you want this? Like, can you give so-and-so directions? Um, and, like, having them do all this, like, external problem solving. Like, give them directions problem. to the hospital. Yeah. Or how do we get into the house? What's the door code? Yeah, all this stuff, right? All of these things that have nothing to do with the very physical and intense experience that this woman's having. And I don't care if she has an epidural. It's still an intense experience. Yeah. Um, you know, fuck have somebody else handle that shit Mm -hmm. you know delegate somebody like you're gonna person that talks about this like or delegate like a guard dog to you maybe it's this partner but like don't ask her all that stuff like you can you're an adult like figure out how to problem solve your way out of this paper bag you're in okay (laughs) you know like do it like that bothers me and I feel like it takes away but you know people just some people love to have a lot of family members and they want it to be loud. They want the TV on. They want to have laughs. They want to have their conversations on their phone. I mean, that's just how they are. Like I said, like you are going to be who you are and how you live and all the, all, with all the coping strategies and everything as you are in your daily life, as you will be in the delivery room. There's not a lot of reasons to be so afraid. And if you're afraid, you need to maybe think about unpacking that a little bit before you before it's like time for you to you know before your labor begins and like are you afraid of pain Mm. are you afraid of you know I don't know you know that you're gonna have a cesarean section rather than a vaginal delivery you know what are you afraid of and the more that you can pinpoint it and say what it is then you can deal with it Mm-hmm. Like if you do, you feel like you're gonna take away all your power. That all your power is gonna be taken away the moment you come to the hospital. Well, I would say you need to be, you need to be wise in choosing your provider. That's what I'm gonna say to that. Is mm-hmm. you need to have your insurance provider, your or your OB del- or okay. your midwife mm-hmm. to be, you know, maybe interview some of their other patients. 
ask some questions, you know. What would be a good question? Like, what are great questions to ask while you're interviewing? You can find out people, you can find out the rate of cesareans versus vaginal deliveries. You can ask how they, you know, what, some docs have more of a hands-off approach. Some have a lot of interventions. But honestly, I'm going to backtrack a little bit because birth and every single one is different. And so, um, you know, and things change. That's, I think the best way to be prepared is to just accept that sometimes things might change. But in advance of that, like, th- maybe think about what it is that you're really afraid of, you know, and see if you can pinpoint it. And if you think you're afraid of having a C-section, like, maybe talk to a couple women that have had cesarean births. Yeah. You know? Um, it seems like that's just, like, the main thing women are most afraid of. Cesareans. Yeah. Mm. That's what I feel like I observe. Well, I will be honest with you. The one woman that I know that has had a cesarean mm-hmm. section, mm-hmm. she's like, my insides do not feel like they were put back right. Hmm. You know? And that to me sounds like, oh, God. Hmm. Yikes. How, did, how do you even, like... Address that? Address that. Well, I can't really speak to that particular case. I mean, it's something that she should follow up with her OBGYN. Maybe there's like a buildup of scar tissue or adhesions or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really, I really can't say. It is surgery, but I think there are plenty of women that have had cesarean sections and multiple ones that that's their method of birth. Like a friend of mine recently delivered and her mom had had her by a C-section. And although she was going for a vaginal birth, like she had a C-section and there's different reasons why you have a C-section. I mean, for fetal distress, like, would you want to continue to keep your baby in, in fetal distress? No. Um, no. To just insist on having a vaginal delivery? Because that's what you want. Right. And, I mean, that's maybe one of the most difficult choices, and it's, like, maybe a start of motherhood, which is, like, oh, maybe it's not what I want, but what's best for my baby? Mm-hmm. But then again, too, like, back to, like, honoring the woman's choice. Like, if it's her if she refuses, you can refuse care. You can refuse any kind of care. You can say no. And if you say no, I'm not going back to the OR, I'm not having a C-section, and your baby continues to be in, stri- in distress, like, really, that's your prerogative. Because the baby's still inside of you. It's female autonomy. You're just like, well, then you'd just be like, what's the hiccup here? Like, is it an educational thing? Do they need to, you know be informed more about what mm-hmm. the risks are, you right. know, uh, for not agreeing to that in a moment of distress. But, you know, I, yeah. you know, you have yeah. to, I'm just saying that as a patient in the hospital, for any reason that you're in the hospital at all, you have the rev- right to refuse care. Yeah. You can say, no, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. I mean, just so everyone yeah. knows that. You're never forced to do anything. No, I think you're not. that's that that. I mean, seems maybe if you died like and you needed C- CPR, like right. I mean, you're not going to people are going to intervene. Yeah, but um, I think that's one of the common misconceptions about hospital births is like all of a sudden you enter the you know the labor and delivery room mm-hmm. and you all of a sudden have no control mm-hmm. over what happens anymore Mm -hmm. and that's really not the case it isn't the case you can refuse care you can ask for more time you can ask for more information you can 
you can do these things. You know, you have that option. I would say that most of the time, um, the interventions, like say you need to have like your um, labor augmented with like Pitocin. Um, that's not really the end of the world. And you can say no to that. You know, ultimately, how do I say it? Because everything is different, right? Women can be sick and babies can be sick. And it doesn't mean that one's sick or both sick or any of that. But, like, sometimes you can get down the road going 35 miles an hour. And sometimes you really need to go 75. (laughs) You know? Yes. So I think that it's just, like... It's so situational, you know. Right. But I think that you need every to trust. Every case is different. Every case is different. And also, like, sometimes there's not any issues. And so, you know, the main medicine that women and family need is tincture of time. Just waiting, being patient. People want to know, when's the baby going to be born? You're like, when the baby decides to be born. Mm-hmm. When... Mm-hmm. The cervix is 10 centimeters and the baby is low yeah. and it's the mother feels like pushing and that's when the baby is going to come. Yeah. You yeah. know? And so just being patient, like not watching the clock, not tapping your fingers, not saying, well, I don't know, I'm getting, you know. Yeah. Not being somebody in the room that's pressuring the situation. Right. Right. And I've seen beautiful births, beautiful births, you know, and... It's awesome. I've seen women have births and they were terrified and they feel like they came out like victorious, for lack of a better word. That's nice. That's or they a had nice their feeling. eyes on a certain type of um, delivery that was able to be done, right? Due to everything going, the, having no, you know, wild cards or X factors mm-hmm. and feeling really empowered by that. And I think that having a spouse or partner that's particularly supportive and going to be engaged with you is good. Mm-hmm. I think women need closeness as far as physical contact to be with them. Like have their, you know, mom on one side, sister on the other side right. of the house, arms around each other, and they're going to rock with her, and they're going to be with her. I see so many families where everyone's sitting on the couch and watching the woman labor like it's a show. I'm just like, oh, my God. Oh, God. <laughs> no. Yes. I'm just like, Get oh, my God. Get some popcorn. And get um, people like somebody involved, you know. Like, let's just do some hands on. Let's just be near near her. Yeah. At some point, she might tell you to fuck off, and that's okay. Yeah. Maybe offer to come back after a little while, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Just whatever is working, just do it until it stops working, and then adapt because it's a process. Right. There's. It's not. You're not saying static in one situation, and then oh, here's the baby. It's. It's like a progression. Like if you had like a triangle. And what is it? Isosceles triangle that's bigger at one end and then the tip is like really small. Oh my God. Now we're getting into geometry. No, we're not. Okay. Like a ramp, like a ramp shape, like where uh-huh. it starts off slow and then it, it's just gaining in intensity, intensity, intensity. And then you're at the peak and it's the most intense and then there's a drop off and that's delivery. Right. You know? Right. And, and so I don't know. You do know though, Katie. You <laughs> There's do. just no one way. Um, Whatever feels right's the right way. I love it. Um, so, 
in season one, episode six of <laughs> Me, Myself, and Millie, uh-huh. um, I talk all about feminism with mm-hmm. um, Frances Murphy, uh-huh. who was my maid of honor, oh. and she's also a lawyer, a civil rights lawyer. Awesome. And um, we talked a little bit about the maternal death rate in the United yeah. States. Yes. Um, being staggeringly high compared to other developing nations. Yes. Um, and even higher for African-American women. Yes. Um, what is your professional opinion on this, and how can we combat that? Well, I mean, the statistics and the numbers are real that African-American women have a higher maternal death rate um, than any other group. And I think that... In my understanding of the information that I've read, mm-hmm. I mean, all of our systems are inherent. Where, and many still are inherently racist, which includes the medical system, which includes also the kind of bend, also that they're kind of anti women, and women's complaints are kind of just like, oh, she's just complaining again, mm-hmm. rather than fully investigated like they should be. I mean, that's been a hopefully improved over time and then there's like a reluctance and in the past of the african-american community accessing care because they've been misused and abused as as test subjects you know and experimental things done on that community just horrible like i it's no wonder they don't trust the medical system and um the in addition to that, we have like public their public health um, factors that I think influence it too, like all the redlining and of like housing, and then these communities being pushed to more industrialized areas mm. where there's like shipping and railway traffic and all the stuff that has pushed um, black communities into more unhealthy, literally physical environments. Mm. I think that contributes to it. Um, access to healthcare, access, ability. And I think those are all, I don't think it's any one thing. I think there's a lot of variab- variables involved. And I think we need to listen to black women and hear what they say and do what we can to help them achieve their goals Mm -hmm. and to just continue to, um, I mean, as a nurse and I have plenty of African-American patients, um, you know, listening to the woman, supporting her, encouraging her, addresses her fear, addressing her fear and concerns, not minimizing, you know, I, I mean, we have to listen to each other. We, can't bottom line yeah we can't just bring like my whole like matrix and put it over you and be like okay this is what i want to hear from you i need to hear from you from a piece of um openness yep i don't know but the the statistics are real and there are um i can't think of the acronym right now but it, it's hopefully being addressed, and I, I mean, unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be something that's going to be rectified overnight, but I, I, it's, it's out there. And, um, and it, in my research, it sounds like the, um, the OB board of, mm-hmm. like, I don't know what it's 
to what yeah, the like name ACOG. is. Yeah. Uh-huh. That they all recognize that this is an issue. Yes. That they have admitted that this is an issue. Yes. Um, which sounds like a, a next, like the first step, but now I want to be solution oriented, mm-hmm. you know, but, and I think that's a great solution that you threw out there is like, we have to listen to each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that there, I really feel like the name of the game of, um, any, sickness or medical issue or concern is early detection and early intervention. So going to your um, appointments, maintaining them, um, addressing like hyper um, high blood pressure, mm-hmm. managing that. Preeclampsia is a huge problem. What is preeclampsia? It's kind of a complicated uh, confluence of um, factors. Mm-hmm. But Basically, the main thing would be like high blood pressure, mm-hmm. and then some of the symptoms of preeclampsia that like just that maybe your listeners can know is like high blood pressure, blurred vision, epigastric pain, um, right sided pain, um, becoming more edematous, having fluid build up, a uh, terrible headache. That's all preeclampsia. Those are symptoms. Wow. Okay. This is good. Um, this <laughs> That's is good. my little PSA there. <laughs> I like that. Um, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you feel is important to mention before we wrap up? <laughs> um, ladies, we need to just support each other. We need to encourage each other. We need to support each other in each of our personal decisions about our own bodies. And... We need to just have a little more sisterhood. I'll leave you with a vision that I always want to see at work. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Which is, I want to see two women that are walking the hallways, you know, coping with their labor. I want to see them, like, together, breathing through a contraction that they're having together. Oh, (laughs) that's a beautiful image. I really do. Like, with their hands wrapped around each other. Yeah, like, and leaning on each other and just getting through a contraction together, like if they're both having a contraction, or at least high-fiving each other in the hall. That's a pretty good image. (laughs) That's great. I love that. I love it. Well, Katie, I'm so grateful that you came on the pod. Thank I you for it. yeah. Thank you for sharing your time, your knowledge, um, with us. I think this is like a conversation, an ongoing conversation that we all need mm-hmm. to have with each other. Yeah. And like whether cho- people choose not to have children, I yeah. think that there's a way that we can all be supportive of like each other's Absolutely. decisions, and like know that like whatever you decide to do is the right decision for yourself. For exactly. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Thanks, Katie. Thanks, buddy. Bye. See you in the head. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Me, Myself, and Millie. Follow us on Instagram at Me, Myself, Millie for more podcast updates. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe and share on social media. A special thanks to my husband, Rowan Brooks, for technical support and Cal Reichenbach, who did all the music you heard in this episode. You can check him out at calzonemusic.com. Thanks, cutie bums, and see you next week.